everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of our Train Like a Trooper podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Stewart, along with my co-host, Trooper Eric Foster. And today our guest is Trooper Danny Long, who's been around the patrol uh, quite some time now. And he is going to be revamping our OAP program. OAP stands for Officer Assistance Program. You know, most agencies have some form of this type of program. Um, but Danny's going to be taking ours in kind of a direction we've never gone and that that a lot of departments, other departments have not gone either. And so, Danny, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So let's start, um, you know, give us a little bit of background on your history in the patrol and what, all the different positions that you've had in the patrol. Okay. Um, so I'm out of the 51st Academy in 1999. I, um, honestly, I, I, the only thing that appealed to me about the patrol was some older tech team guys I was around before I even applied. I'm like, that seems pretty interesting, you know, with my background. And um, I was prior service. That That's the main reason I joined the patrol, right? I, I never really enjoyed working crashes or writing tickets. Um, that's kind of weird, but, you know, that just wasn't my path. So, as soon as I graduated um, from the from the academy, I started going to schools that would help me, you know, better my chances to get on the attack team. And um, I was lucky; I got on there pretty pretty soon after I got off my probationary period, and life was good. You know, I mean, it it was my perspective at work was good. My perspective on life was good. I was married, um, married my girlfriend from high school. You know, we, we just bought our first house. Life was good. And um, got on the tag team. I'm like, man, I'm living my dream so early on. This, this is great. <clears throat> Some things started to happen, and I really can't, like, identify one certain thing um, other than that – that job became my identity really quick and my priorities began to shift um well that they just did um i pushed a lot of things away from me and just really poured everything i had into the job of being on the tag team and um everything and everyone else started to suffer around me um but my career was looking good, you know, as far as the tag team goes. I, I was in a team leader position after a few years, and um, all that came to a sudden stop at one particular mission. And I, I raised some concern over what I believed to be some officer safety issues, and I was terminated, you know, and I, that just devastated me you know I, I was told um got to go back to the road the next day and i i'm like i can't believe this just happened you know i mean i'm i'm done and um so I, I go back to troop f and i start working the road and decided i i, I don't remember the timeline it was a couple of years maybe i'm like i this is i'm out of here i can't do this anymore and I reached out to some people I knew in some government positions that did some contract work for some of our agencies overseas. And I'm like, hey, get me in the pipeline. Send an uh, 
submitted my info to them and a few months later I was at the schoolhouse getting vetted and trained up and a couple months later I'm, I'm landed in Baghdad. So I, I left the patrol at the um, early 2010 and started working for these other government agencies um, overseas and I thought that was the answer to my problems. And um, oh, let me back up. So prior to that, um, I got a divorce, and it, it was purely, like I said earlier, I, I, my whole identity was around being a trooper on the TAC team, and I lost that, and it just, um, you know, went out of control. So I'm divorced. Um, I left the patrol, I'm in Baghdad, and I'm like, you know, I, I never see really coming back to the patrol in my future. It's just, they were paying me really well, and most of the time, all you had to do is just train, work out, um, play Call of Duty at night with your teammates, and running two to three missions a week. Life was pretty easy. Things would pick up. They would go back and forth. There was a couple of bad events that happened, and um, the 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 last one really put things in perspective for me that I'm going to be left for dead out here. No one's going to probably find me. No one's coming to help. And I'm like, you know what? Oklahoma's not so bad. The Highway Patrol really doesn't look bad at this point. Didn't know if I could get my job back or not, but. Um, anyway, made it out of that particular scenario, and as soon as I got back to um, the embassy compound in Baghdad, I, I think I, I reached out to the chief at the time, uh, Pettengill, and I said, hey, um, any chance I could get my job back? And he didn't hesitate. He's like, yeah, you, you, we'd like to have you back. And anyway, so I, I get back. Um, July or August of 2011, and um, I don't remember going through any type of evaluation, mental evaluation or anything like that. There's, there's like, oh, he's good to go. And I mean, I, I, I look good on the outside, right? Um, got my uniforms back. My brass was looking good. You know, boots shining. And... A few weeks later, I'm in this running um, shooting on on the interstate <clears throat> with this dude that the marshal service was chasing out of Louisiana. In any way, um, there was a couple troopers involved in that one, and we just <clears throat> we shot the hell out of this guy trying to get him stopped. He was going the wrong way on the interstate, and we we did everything we could to get him shut down. <clears throat> So, I, I was off for a few weeks on that shooting. wasn't no big thing to me. Um, I, I kind of felt like we failed on that one, at least me, that I couldn't stop this guy because he almost killed so many people. But that 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 helped me um, prepare for the next ones that that were coming that I didn't know about. So fast forward another few weeks. Um, I'd actually got back together with my wife, and we were trying to work things out. 
The problem is I didn't work anything out from why I left the patrol to begin with. I, I for sure didn't talk about anything that happened in Iraq, with, even with her. And I, I was waking up at night. Um, that would have been considered taboo to you, probably, to, to talk about <clears throat> your, your feelings or, or what was going on. Like, would you have ever considered that back then? Oh, no, no way. Um, and, I mean, that's the way I was brought up. You know, just you're, you're a man, take care of it. We can f- fix it. And those were the biggest lies that I was told that I was telling myself um, at this point in my life. I realized that. But, yeah, you're right. Um, I'd wake up at night. I, I remember one night I woke up and I think I had her by the throat, you know, and or I was on top of her or something. And it just and it would scare me, and I know it scared her. So we're trying to work things out, and it's just not happening. I mean, I, I'm I'm I, I know she she knew uh, I was drinking a lot at that point. Um, I'm, I remember uh, just a few weeks after that first shooting, um, I'd worked a hoot shift on a Saturday night, got a DUI. I was going to get up the next morning, um, drive into Paul's Valley and, and finish out my DUI paperwork. And so my wife and I, like I said earlier, we were trying to get back together. Uh, um, we actually were remarried at that point. Um, but things were not working out. I mean, I, I dealt with the reason why I left the patrol. I hadn't dealt with, um, anything that happened in Iraq and I was just a mess. So trying to work a marriage out when you're not right, just it was a recipe for disaster. And, and I, I knew it was ending. Um, I was not in a good frame of mind to, to be working but you know my uniform looked good my brass looked good and that's all that mattered at the time I guess so I leave the house and um, as I'm, I'm passing by the entryway to uh, City Lake that we lived by at the time there was a car sitting on the side of the road didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it and um, as I got even with the car this guy steps around the back of it with the 12 gauge and lowers it down, points it at me, and I, I lean over to get away from it, and, and um, I hear a round go off. And, you know, fast forward um, through some other things. I, I didn't know why he, if he was there to ambush me, specifically knowing this is the route I go to town, you know, all that stuff was running through my head. But anyway, we, we end up, um, he leaves the scene, I end up TVIing him, and we have a we both get out and have a gunfight in in the ditch. So that was number two. Um, told you I'm from a small town. Uh, good and bad things with that. There there was a lot of um, emotions on both sides uh, that came about from that shooting that affected me, and I, I didn't know how to take, and it just ramped. You know, so what did I do? I, I drank more. And I was really isolating at that time at my farm. Uh, when I'd get off work, I would just go start drinking immediately. And I just didn't want to be around anyone. I even That included my family, you know, my kids. And 
just wanted to be alone and became more unhealthy as as time went on and a month or so goes by i get a call from the marshal service i don't remember who called me exactly but they said hey we we'd like for you to come to the task force in oklahoma city you'd be a good fit i'm like yeah why not you know sounds like a great idea um so i get assigned to the marshal service in okc and i'm not there long and I'm in another gun gun battle and and this one is just turns my life that was already upside down just like I'm in a barrel going down a mountain just all over the place and really disrupted things on another level there were federal lawsuits involved um, from the very beginning and eventually um, they were suing me personally, um, so that that even made it worse for me. And I, you know, just stepped up my drinking. I, I mean, I I was drinking like it was my job, you know, and it it was not. It was getting really bad. There were some other events that happened while I was at Marshalls that kind of just put me on my back. And and without getting in into them, I had reached a breaking point. Um, I got to where I, I wouldn't even recognize myself in the mirror. Uh, I was all bearded out and just, and, and it wasn't even that. I could have shaved my beard and I, I, I was still wanting to recognize myself. Um, I didn't feel like a human anymore. That's the best way to describe it. And, and I, I think that was taken away piece by piece, um, or a piece at a time, uh, from all these critical incidents that I'd been exposed to. And I just felt less and less like a human um, as the years went by. And it got to that point to where I'm like, I, I can't live like this anymore. I felt everything that really mattered to me at that point. Um, being a husband, a father, a friend, and a, I, I was just, I, I'd failed everything, and uh, I didn't have a lot of emotion. Um, that was really odd to me also that I just, there were certain things I just didn't feel anymore. And I just didn't want to live like that. I, I, it, it hurt. Um, I bought my body hurt um, just to it, get up every morning. And I'd reached to that point that, not going to live like this anymore. Um, I grabbed a rifle out of my safe, one of my duty guns, and um, I think I grabbed a bottle or something, and I, and I took off walking to the back side of my farm. <clears throat> and I sat down on, on the pond dam, and um, I, you know, i not proud of this, but yeah, I stuck a rifle, the business end of it, in my mouth. And... What I do remember about that is that I'd shot that rifle a lot. And um, there was a lot of carbon build up on that flash uh, muzzle device. And I, I, I couldn't keep it in my mouth because it just it was gagging me and that taste of the carbon. And I'd try to do it again. I, I, I don't recall how many times I did it, <clears throat> but it... 
it was the length of time during that day um that i I mean it was hours that i i stayed there on the pond dam and um just trying to think of a reason not to do it i I didn't want to do it i didn't want my kids knowing that i went out like that um there's just a multitude of things going through um trying to you know find a way out but i i just i didn't want to live like this anymore and I eventually got to the point, I mean, I was crying, and I, then I would get mad, and I'd cry some more. And I, I remember, I, I think I was yelling at God, too. I mean, I was just mad at everything. And I, I, I told God out loud, I said, if you got a mission for me, you need to show it to me pretty quick because I, I, I can't live like this anymore. And... <clears throat> There was nothing like definitive written in the sky or like I couldn't tell you what it was, but I just felt like it's time to get up and go back to my shop. And that's what I did. I got up, walked back to the barn, and I reached out to Doc Thomas that day, and I said, okay, I'm ready to talk. And uh, I'd been to her multiple times from the other shootings, and, you know, I'd looked at it as – I was forced to go get help, and that there's, I was never in a place to receive it. I did not want to receive it. So I, I know she got really frustrated with me over the years, you know, just because I just look at her and tell her to sign my damn papers so I go back to work. And um, I don't remember if I texted her or called her that day when I got back to the shop, but she responded back. I think it was a text, and she's like, you ready for what? And I said, I'm ready for help. So, I mean, I was up there the next day, and <clears throat> it um, that wasn't the only thing, but it was she helped me really um, identify a path, and that's what therapy is. I mean, it, it, they give you a plan and a path, it's up to us as an individual if we're going to follow a plan and a path and to be intentional uh, to get our life back. And she made that very clear. And that that but that's what I started doing. And it was um, it was a long process. I, I I didn't get messed up overnight, and I there's no way to repair things overnight either. Um, and I still battle every day, just so that's very clear. It, it's I have to get up every day and intentionally make a decision on how I'm going to live my life and what I'm going to live my life doing and who I'm going to serve. So it was a combination of things to me or for me to get my life back together. Uh, and it and it, but during this time, I, I still didn't know what my mission was going to be next. I I really didn't. I I got into a private business, and um, I thought that's what I wanted to do. And, I mean, it's very interesting, and it's it's been very good for me and my family, but I knew that's not – wasn't the mission that I was supposed to be doing. Um, So – um, Captain Isabel, retired now, kept on reaching out to me and wanting me to be a part of the peer, 
program. I, I had been a part of it just as a recipient for many years <clears throat> before that, and I, I fought against it, and I'm like, no, I'm not the guy. Um, I'm the last guy you want on there. Uh, I've got jacked up. <clears throat> so finally agreed just to get him to leave me alone I, to go to my first peer training, and I did, and I tried to walk out of it, and um, – he ambushed me again, talked me into staying. And um, what I really started to understand, though, out of that training was I started identifying um, things that I was going through throughout my career that I, I at the time I didn't know what they were. And I, I mean, from the way things felt that, that made me feel a certain way, the way they would taste, look, um, it, it I begin to understand, maybe is the word, uh, I begin to understand not necessarily all the why, but putting all the pieces together. Um, so that was a good takeaway from the, that training. Um, I'm, I want to make it very clear, I'm not a counselor, I'm not going to be a counselor. Um, I'm just someone who's still really jacked up and but has some understanding um, on on what causes us as cops, troopers, first responders to, um, as we progress through our career, what these repeated exposures to trauma do to us. And, and they take a piece of humanity from us every time. Um, so th th that's my whole goal. Um, the reason why I wanted to come to OAP because I felt like it was really meant to serve our department. Maybe not intentionally, and I don't think it was intentionally set up that way, but I, I, there's no way around it. it. It served our department, not our people. And it was all forced um, post-reactive things. Um, and you shoot somebody, somebody shows up and tells you you got to they got to take you home. You got to go to counseling. Well, I don't want to go to counseling. Well, you got to. Well, that's that really all that did is really piss me off. Every time somebody made me go do something like that or wouldn't let me drive home, and it was just like, uh, like, who are you serving here? And that. So years ago, I started writing these things down, and that all of it helped me come up with this plan to revamp it. Um, to, to jump back though, and, and I'm, and I apologize for jumping around, but, um, I want to finish from 2015 to 2018. I, I stayed on the marshal service, but I was turning my life around. My wife and I, um, we started talking in 2016 and in 2018 we, we remarried and no, I'm sorry, 2019, um, so those years of getting my life back together, it was, if I have to say one word, it was an intentional fight every day and an, an intentional decision to get my life back every single day, not every other day. And, and I want to make that very clear. It's an intentional battle. Um, so we get remarried, and I, I'd made a decision, um, I think, April or May, I was going to get off the Marshals Task Force. 
and um, my son was graduating from college uh, May of 2018 my wife had to work the day before and I, I was left with to finish everything for his graduation party and uh, I, I, I wasn't going to go back to the marshal service we were going to go on a uh, cruise with some of his friends and when I got back I, I'd already packed up my car I was going to turn it into the marshals and um, go back to the patrol get a phone call from my supervisor says hey Danny we, we could really look, use you up here we got this got a bad feeling about this guy we're going after and that 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 I didn't like that call I mean because they they knew if they called me I'm not going to leave somebody hanging and I'm like man I can't I got too much to do we hung up they're like no big deal few minutes goes by somebody sends me a text another guy on the team's like man i just got a bad feeling well i'm going to interrupt danny right here and just say come back with this next time we're going to continue this on a part two uh, to kind of go more in depth uh, with uh, danny's story but not only that where the patrol is going because we recognize the help that is needed and necessary not only for just law enforcement around the country but for each of us and how we can support each other Uh, Just tune in with us next time on Train Like a Trooper.